Model makers, if you're like me, you're constantly looking for supplies and kits, right? My go-to source for all the essentials is the title sponsor of the Sprue Cutters Union podcast, Hobby World USA. Hobby World USA carries kits, tools, books, and paint brands from Abtilong 502 to Zero. <laughs> See what I did there with the whole A to Z thing? Hobby World is also one of only two suppliers in the United States to carry my personal favorite paint, MRP. And if you're looking for something that's not in their inventory, there's a good chance the owner, Matt Bowl, can find it for you. Matt is one of us. He's a model maker and he participates in the community on a regular basis and is always willing to answer questions. I should also note that while he's a great source for those of us in the United States and Canada, he will also ship worldwide. So, Get on over to HobbyWorldUSA.com. That's HobbyWorld-USA.com. And check them out for all your model-making needs. The following is a special episode of the Sprue Cutters Union in which we interview David Parker and Mark Neville of AFE Modeler Magazine to help them celebrate 20 years of this great publication. Ladies and gentlemen, we are presenting a special episode of the Sprue Cutters Union with David Parker, Mark Neville, and Chris Mettings. And we are here to congratulate David and Mark on the anniversary of AFV Modeler Magazine. Will could not be with us today. Uh, and like I said, this is not a full podcast. It's going to be a little shorter than normal. But we do want to get these guys on and, and get a little bit of dirt on how the magazine started and what it's like putting this magazine out, the trials, the tribulations, and to talk a little bit about some of the talent that they brought to the modeling world. David, Mark, welcome. David, I know we've asked you about this previously on episode four of the Sprue Cutters Union, so could you just give us a brief introduction to how AFE Modeler started? Okay, so it's our, it's our 20th anniversary year, so it's 20 years since this has all kicked off, and kind of it grew out of my frustration with what I felt was the poor quality of the UK magazines that I was re- reading at the time, Um and my business partner saw me ordering these bizarre Japanese magazines that I couldn't read that were costing me a lot of money as well. He said, why are you ordering those? You can't read them. And I said, well, because I think they're better magazines. Even just looking at the pictures is, is a better experience. I said, well, why don't we do a magazine? We were working in, a, in an ad agency, uh, our own ad agency. So we knew a bit about design and print and all those sorts of things. But we had no idea about magazines whatsoever. And at that time, I also had a friend, Don Campbell, who was sort of assisting behind the scenes with things. Um, he was very enthusiastic. He was kind of keeping me pointing in the right direction and continues to to this day. So we still work together on little things that probably nobody else knows about. And even though he's moved to Australia and been there for quite some time, he's always had our backs and uh, sort of steered things in the right direction for us as, as well. And so, yeah, I just wanted to give him that credit as well because he, he tends not to sort of make a big, he doesn't sort of shout about that. But yeah, that was that was the, the sort of genesis of it was really, well, maybe we could do this. And we just put a few sort of rough ideas down on paper and started touting them about a little bit. Little did I know we were starting the AFV modeler treadmill <laughs> that never stops. And uh, 
uh, and just continually runs and runs and runs. A lot of people won't know that that treadmill basically has attached to it a sausage machine. That You've constantly got articles coming in, being ready. Maybe you've commissioned them or someone's come to you about an idea and it's not ready yet. It must have been difficult to go from a standing start to fill maybe two issues, the first two issues of the magazine. What sort of buy-in did you have from modellers that you wanted to get on board? Yeah, it was. I was approaching... Um, I mean, I, I knew I could provide a little bit of content and I was hoping some of my local modeling friends might might help out as well. But aside from that, I was really kind of going in and just approaching a few people. Like we, we struck quite lucky and I approached Adam Wilder <laughs> <laughs> and uh, managed to get him on board, I think, in issue two. And also Alex Clark was in issue one. So we were just lucky. I think that you'd probably need to speak to them about why they thought it was a good idea. Well, I would guess that they bought into the same idea that you did, that they had the same concerns, should we say, about the uh, the state of the magazine market. So there was a good response. I think so. And also, I mean, people, you know, I think Adam said to me at the time, nobody had ever asked him before either. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, back then, I think he, he, he wasn't really... The personality in the hobby that he that he is today you know he hadn't really done a great deal that people knew about so it was quite kind of early on but then you know i think that you've got to remember back in 2001 you know the whole internet was a lot early you know it was early days for everything and we were just starting to find out about what other people were doing you know outside your own locality really so yeah it was a, it was a, a time of sort of exploration i think as well well, it certainly ties into sort of my comment about how you tend to find talent and bring them to the public eye. Uh, I feel like looking back, you know, from the early issues, which is something I did before we sat down today, you, you see Adam Wilder's work, like you said, from like issue two. Mm. And from out of the gate, he becomes a modeling personality. Yeah. Like he, his, his work uh, presented in that magazine sort of began that journey, I think, and exposed his talent to everybody who could find the magazine. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think, to be fair, though, that Adam would have been the talent that he is, regardless of AFE Modeler. You know, that was a, yes, was a, yeah. a happy coincidence. That we <laughs> we were there at that point and um, formed a good working relationship with him. You know, he was always going to be the prodigious talent that he is. I think, you know, we offered a showcase, I suppose, for that, for people to see that developing. But, uh, no, I think... Um, I think the biggest secret to our success in that respect was the fact that we came at it from the serious end. We wanted the best. I was fed up with buying magazines where I looked at things in that were in there, and I thought, well, I was doing making better models than that when I was a kid. We wanted something that was aspirational. It was showcasing the real talents that everybody had. That was the real difference, I think. And as soon as people picked up on that, that's also a great you know, attraction for you as a contributor that you, you know, if you're being good enough to be featured in the magazine, then it says something about your work as well. And to be side by side with the likes of Adam Wilder's, you know, it's it's good kudos. So. Yeah, it's all about the company you keep. Yeah. For me, getting into it was a, a huge, like a tick off the bucket list, so to speak. It was kind of comparable to when you go to an IPMS show and put your models in the competition and you do well, you think, yeah, that's great. But then you go to a bigger show like an SMC or a Euromilitaire and you put your models there and you're nobody again. And then <laughs> later on you you get something and you're like, wow, a bronze here is better than a gold there. Mm. And it was kind of the same, although I'm always grateful to um, 
for Ken for getting me into military modelling, my first article, getting into AFE Modeler was like going up to the big league. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it. Good. It's probably not, but good. it felt like it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's that's the effect we wanted anyway. So, <laughs> From the standpoint of seeing it on the newsstand and picking it up and looking at the quality, uh, I think it is across the boards regarded as probably the, the highest caliber modeling that you're going to see in print. Mm. And I, I, we've spoken about the cover before, the, the choice of just having a single image. And I I mentioned in the earlier interview what a strong uh, impact that has when you're looking at newsstands. And it's not just modeling magazines. Every magazine is just a collage of the content. Design diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, visual vomit. I think <laughs> visual vomit. Yes, and it's just it's just so clean, and it's just got a great impact. And I think it makes people pick up the magazine and flip through it. And I don't see if you're interested in this hobby how you could pick up the magazine, flip through it, and not not take it home. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I mean, that was that was definitely the intention, you know. And Mark uh, Mark will attest that that we we spend a lot of time kind of agonizing sometimes about what goes on the cover. It's all about what pun you can make, though, isn't it? Oh, the puns first, the, the model second. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, if it works for the sun. So, yeah, you, don't have to be, you don't have to have the best model to get on the cover. It's just got to be the, the puns. The puns got to be there. Yeah. <laughs> as we said before, though, it's got to be the right photo, hasn't it, as well? And you could take 20 different photos of a finished model and none of them will quite work for a cover. It's got to be the right angle and the right picture yeah no it, it sometimes it just works brilliantly so well that you almost have to sort of check that you haven't missed something because it's just slotted in and it all looks great and, and the headline's fantastic and it's all just it, almost too good to be true and in other times it's rubbish <laughs> hours and hours of cursing and agonizing and 50 different pictures all from slightly different angles none of which seem to work and we always have that discussion, don't we, Mark? About we which do, is... we do, yeah. We're... And like you say, I think it, with your own models, it is it's it's worse because mm-hmm. most of the time with contributors, you've got a set amount of photos to work from, and there you go. That's the there's always that money shot, isn't there? The one that stands out. But yes, yeah, it's back and forth, back and forth, more shots with your own. Something that's been the same in the magazine since the beginning is it's got a very very strong design. Could you tell us sort of how you arrived at that and, and what you kind of, if it's not too uh, ponty a word, the philosophy is behind that? <laughs> well, you've got to remember that I came from like a, a commercial advertising design background. So I was designing corporate identities and brochures. And, you know, this is back in the days when people used to spend money on brochures um, instead of websites. And and I just brought that sort of look and feel with me, really. I just I didn't see why we couldn't do that with models. Um, and because it's a visual hobby, I just thought, you know, they deserve to be sort of treated in the same way. You know, let's really sort of showcase them visually um, and sort of instead of just laying everything out on a sort of four-column grid or three-column grid and as everybody else was doing, or trying to squeeze everything into the smallest possible space. We tried to do the exact opposite and just give stuff room to breathe. And if it was a big, we had a lot of material, you know, we'd, we'd split it and run it over. We still do. We, you know, we'll run things over several issues so that we can do them justice, you know, instead of trying to squeeze everything into three pages, which does nobody any good, I don't think. And it also means, we, you know, we if 
you know, if we do that with someone's article, they get paid for each part instead of just getting a single payment for the one article. So it makes them happy as well. So that's, you know, it's win-win, really. You've got content for two issues, so win-win-win. Yeah. It does kind help with the mix, the mix of content as well, doesn't it? Which is something we're always keen to get right. You've got a little bit of this, bit of that. That's going to, you know, keep the modern armor guys happy. And it kind yeah. of balances it out. So you've got that same amount of articles each issue. And you, know, you can't please everybody all of the time. But that's always a, something we're conscious about, isn't it? Keep getting the mix, yeah. trying to get a mix in there. Yeah, no, we're always trying to get that sort of balance of, of interest and try, you know... Um, you know, people would come up to us and say, you know, in the early days, why can we have more articles on this or can we have more articles on early British World War Two lorries and things? And I say, well, <clears throat> no. <laughs> no, 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 nobody's writing any. So you know, we're trying to sell this magazine, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, w- I would say to them that you know, in a, in a way, I, I never felt it was that that critical because I think if it's a, if it's a good model, then I'm interested whether it's you know something that i want to model myself or or not you know if you show me if you showed me a fantastically detailed doll's house i'd be quite interested just have a if it was all in scale and all the rest of it i'd be interested i'm interested in a, in a fantastic model railway i'm interested in you know a great model boat or a ship or a galleon or whatever if it's a great model it's a great model you know and i think there's something to to learn and something to enjoy in that you know it doesn't have to be I'm only interested in German tanks. Why aren't you printing more German tanks? But maybe I, you know, I don't know how successful we are in preaching to the, preaching that. <laughs> I think the mix is always pretty good in the magazine. You know? Yeah, good, good, yeah. good. And I'm like you. I if I'm I don't have to be necessarily interested in the subject matter to be interested in the article and and how it was built, techniques and and reading the article. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm the same, but I. It doesn't matter whether I'm interested or not in the subject. It's the early magazines, that and Air Modeler, that I read cover to cover. Usually I'll dip in and maybe even on the newsstand I'll pick it up if it's got one article I like from another magazine. Mm. But uh, but I subscribe to yours because, yeah, it, it's great modelling from, from cover to cover. Good, good. good. Well, we try, we try. But, we you do know, try, it's very trying. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of covers, do you have a favourite cover from the last twenty years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what do you think, Mark? He said, deflecting you know, think... the question yeah, for a moment. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned Adam, and I I think the uh, one of the, I can't remember which issue it was, but the the T thirty four climbing the the chimney stack. Yeah, that uh, that just kind of. Right. At the time, that really stuck with me, and that you know that really did it for me. So that's quite a memorable one. And also, God, there's so many. You're talking. We worked it out. There was around about six hundred articles, wasn't there, over the over yeah. the years in AFV? Yeah. So well, that's a lot of editing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still quite like the tenth anniversary cover where we had the same model that was on issue one. On the cover, yeah, again. that's right. Yeah, that the, full circle. The guy's sitting on top of the tiger tank, but we made you made a little um, birthday cake for them to yeah, be yeah. eating. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether anybody saw that, but I, even down to the candles on the cake, which was yeah. Was I quite cool. like the the your king tiger when it was finished. The, uh, it was tiger feet on the the cover because I thought, thank yeah. Christ, <laughs> thank Christ, he's finished that and he can shut up about <laughs> it now. 
Just put it, put it and in then the he box. said, "I've got this Panzer yeah. 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 <laughs> IV." Put it in the box and shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Uh, I think it was one of David's models. Uh, it was a Panther descending a hill. Oh yeah, at quite a steep angle. Yeah, that I that still sticks with me to this day. And I remember reading the article and, and the the thing that I went out and started looking for right away was, uh, I guess, the uh, some sort of a plant hanging plant liner that you'd use to make the long grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I went out and had to find some of that. It was, it's a just a dynamic presentation that you don't see very often. Yeah, it was deliberately kind of um, almost like an extreme setting for it coming over this bank and sort of dipping its nose down into the field. And, um, yeah, I've still got the model. It's in desperate need of repair. It's been quite it's badly. dead flies on the windowsill yeah. in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, a, it is a shame, isn't it? But, it is. It's a real shocking state of disrepair. Boxes, boxes of finished models everywhere. Isn't it? The best model's the next one, right? Hmm? Always, always. always <laughs> the the best one. model is always the next one. Yeah. But what I remember was um, Adam Wilder's. I think it might be a Panther Two, and uh, it was um, around issue seventy, something like that. Yeah, the modulation. Uh, the modulation article. Yeah. And that was the article that got me into, I've been sort of dabbling with a few tanks, but that's the one that really got me back into modeling yeah. in a proper way, I think. I remember, I yeah. remember it was so, pink, that cover. It was, yeah, it was, it was a striking cover, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I've always reveled in doing some, some weird colours on the cover just for, um, yeah. uh, I think issue three, we had, the, we had the, new, the new, this is how old it was, it was the new dragon panther. Um, <laughs> and we had, uh, had it on a solid sort of pastel pink background um uh and there was uh we had we had a few complaints about it actually <laughs> really yeah i was quite well, proud he's, of it his early <laughs> modelers going up to the, the counter with these uh yeah. magazines yeah. <laughs> hey, things have changed these days though yeah yeah my goodness yeah, yeah. absolutely but certainly they always stands out the bright colors is something that always leaps out on the newsstand yeah well, we try and we, you know, we try and do something that complements the model. It's not just ridiculous colours for the sake of it. They, you know, they, and and sometimes that's an that's a an arduous task in itself. Finding a something that's sort of sympathetic to the subject and but still has you know sets it off well, and um, you know and but also and then we maybe pick a secondary colour either out of the model or some other element within the picture to sort of use for our sort of uh, subhead colour, I suppose, don't we? Sort of like for the... We get into these little creative spins and then Keith will put his, with his business head on and say, what will this sell more magazines? And we're pondering about colours and yeah. being all, you know, being designery about everything. But, uh, yeah, he's probably yeah. right. They're probably... It, it probably sometimes doesn't sell any more magazines, but you, right. I'm I'm from the same background as David, and you just get so it's so ingrained in you after all the years of you know design and corporate, like you say, is corporate design and like kind of well, we, we both had grown up jobs, didn't we? Really, it was uh, we did, and it was it, it, it that doesn't leave you though that that stays, and you you, you ponder over things, and so hope I mean. Like you guys, with the clients, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it kind of. Hopefully, it shows, and you know, from what you've said, it it, it obviously does. So of it definitely does. Yeah. I think maybe that's that's the difference as well. We we're not a big team of people. There's just the three of us, and me and Mark doing all the design. On these days, mostly Mark doing a lot of the design, 
because uh, I'm busy with other things, but it means that the people designing the thing are, we know what we're looking at and we know, you know, we're not just some A graphic designer who's knowing. It's a bit like if I got Keith to design the magazine because Keith's no, no interest in plastic models at all. He has to suffer all this insanity that we deal with. Um, <laughs> so if we got him to design it, you know, you'd end up with a very different kind of thing because he wouldn't have that sort of uh, feel for the for the subject and things. So I think that I think that helps as well. It's that's where the enthusiasm is. It's a subject you're so into, and you know to see everybody's work so up close, and you sort of you're in Photoshop, and you you know it's just a. You know, it's a pleasure just to work with a lot of the images that were were sent, and a lot of the models, the the guys. Like you said, these are the best guys. Hopefully, these are the the people everyone aspires to and learns from. And Mm. you know, you learn a lot yourself as as a modeler when you you're editing the articles and you're doing text and you're going through all the images. You that's when you really you, you know you really do pick. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine if you've got, you know, a screen, full screen of some of the photos that you guys feature in the articles, then that's, that's got to be inspiring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, ah, I've got to try that. I've got to try that. But I I wanted to ask a question kind of about design. So the how much evolution do you feel like the the layout uh, has gone through over the years? And roughly how long did it take you to find a format with your layout, with your font choices, things like that, where you could utilize that every issue and, and focus more on uh, content and, and other things? I think I look at issue one now and I think we were almost there. And then issue two, we kind of, it started to click a bit more from those really early issues. But I felt like we got into a stride quite quite quickly with it, um, but we didn't have. I was always quite loose about, I, you know, we we kept to sort of a house font and that sort of thing, and certain sort of headline fonts that we resort to. But in terms of sort of page layout and things, we would just go with whatever. There were no rules, you know. So if we wanted something enormous coming in from one corner of the page, oh. you know, uh, <laughs> that's what would happen you know and um and it's that's still the case you know we'll put we'll just you kind of work around work around the model don't you where's, yeah. the, where's the best shots and then the layout like you say house style but every article's every article's different there's no back to what you said about columns there's the you know, there's n- nothing where it's like designed on a grid or anything. It's just use the images and then everything else falls around that, doesn't it? Yeah, we tend to we tend to it's it's usually image led, so we're we're laying out the images really and then fitting in text around, you know, or trying to anyway. So because I think that was that was my original objective was that we don't you know all the other magazines the the images were always a bit of an afterthought once they copied set all the copy you know it was well we can squeeze a couple of pictures in here and there um it used to drive me nuts and you know especially when I was contributing myself and you you knew how many pictures you'd sent in and they'd use five <laughs> or equally uh, unimaginative they used them all but they make them all postage stamp size. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was deeply frustrating. Deeply frustrating. I think it really shows, because looking at some other magazines with a really formulaic uh, layout, Yeah, you go to sleep reading them, basically. There's nothing to arrest you. Yeah, you, you, you need to open, open that, that next page. And you turn the page, oh, yeah. and I'm like, whoa, where, what's going on there? Where's yeah. the t-? You know, yeah. it, it, it really keeps you uh, alert when you're reading it. Well, that's that's yeah. I mean, and we we try to do the same with our books as well. You know, they're they're also mm-hmm. um, 
you know like they're, they're very much designed with that that in mind rather than being some enormous tome of text that you've got to plow through i'm busy working on on a book on the panzer four project at the moment and trying to keep that kind of almost like you don't know what's coming on the next page because things are going to there's a certain formula to it there's a certain regularity and then suddenly you know every couple of pages i try and mix it up a bit as well so you know, things jump about and there's things with massive impact and then the smaller details cut in and i think something else that always leaps out about the magazine and the books is the high production values in terms of the, the print quality and the paper quality is that something yeah. you were determined to do from the start oh yeah definitely well we of course when we launched we were at some ridiculous price point everybody thought we were insane because you know we 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 launched at uh six pound a copy back in 2000 and all the other magazines were about two pound 50 um people were, you know we just looked like we were totally mad we're probably totally mad in keeping the price the same for so long actually but <laughs> but yeah it was part of that thing was that you know we couldn't ask that sort of price for something that felt no different from any other magazine so it needed to be it needed to have those kind of production values but also it the, the content deserved that. You know, I get other people come up to me and tell, you know, they say, oh, I stopped reading such and such magazine because they started printing it on such rubbish paper. It's pointless you know, designing designing something beautifully and then you get a load of show through on the on the page and, the, the yeah. you know, the whole thing just falls apart because it's, well, almost literally as well. It's the way I would say, you know, I come back to the point, it's a visual hobby. You know, we all like looking at the pictures. That's what you're interested in. And if the pictures aren't great or they're badly printed or the paper they're printed on is affecting the quality of them, then it's self-defeating, I think. It's all about focusing on that on that sort of quality aspect. It's all about quality. You know, the quality of the model, the quality of the production. Yeah. What about some of the books that you've produced outside of the magazine? I, I, again, they have the same uh, attention to layout and photographic quality and keeping things interesting how how do you what prompts you to do a publication outside of the magazine uh that's a good question i suppose sometimes it's something you know it can be something that i've been working on like the super king it was more than just a compilation of all the of all the articles it was expanded and we added in a lot of sort of fairly unique reference material as well. And then other times it will be things where, you know, maybe someone comes to us with a good idea or we approach somebody where I see somebody maybe building something that is so impressive. Um, I'm thinking of the um, Legion's, Legion Shoots um, elephant book where he was scratch building the interior of the, uh, the elephant. And it was so impressive. We really wouldn't be able to do it justice within the magazine or we'd have had to run it for months and months and months and I thought it was probably better suited to being put into a small book format you know where it's got the space to do what it needs to do so you know it's horses for courses in that respect I think sometimes you have to look at something and think is this the best way of doing it think back to what you said David as well uh, you started the magazine because it's something you wanted to read I think that's the case with a lot of the books we we as modelers kind of discuss well yeah, what what, are, what would we want to pick up? What would we want to buy? What do we want to read about? So it's yeah. always, a you hope, a good guide is to, you know, what other people want as well. Yeah, and then there's the, uh, the other one is things like the my figure book was really several people sort of badgering me to do something, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was actually going to be my next question. I, I felt like the crew school book was a... Uh, a one-time response to a question that's been asked a thousand times. It's a way to, to point someone towards 
the way you do figures without having to explain it to each individual person over and over again. Yeah, maybe. I, not, not, some, not because that was something that was a, a problem, you know, but it was more that I'd had several people say, oh, I wish you'd do something on the figures from, di- from you know, several different sources. And I eventually thought, well, maybe I could do something on that. And <clears throat> the more I thought about it, the more I thought I've probably got enough material because the thought of sitting down and putting new stuff together to sort of produce a book, quite daunting. And then I thought, well, I've probably got enough past projects that we can lift elements out of to demonstrate different aspects of modifying figures and sculpting figures and improving things that that we can, can put something together on that basis and that's really what started it off and then I did a few little bits and pieces sort of more specifically or kept little bits back that I'd been doing so that we could include them as well but yeah it was uh, it was a fun project I enjoyed I, I enjoyed doing it more than I expected to actually so you just sat and sweared all the time well, there's that. That's, that's the normal creative process, isn't it? Ah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the whole other language. The, 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 the there's a bit of that this afternoon, way. actually. Yeah. <laughs> a few magazines have, have gone by the wayside in the last 20, 25 years. And obviously the market's changed. How do you think things have changed since you first started AFE Modeler? Oh, without doubt, they've changed a lot. I think it's become a lot more competitive. The market's become a lot more crowded than it was when we started. Um, And we were the first single sort of subject title on the market. You know, we were the first guys to come along and go, right, we're just doing a magazine about tanks and nothing else. Everybody else was a bit of tanks, a bit of figures, a bit of uniform, a bit of military goat, you know, all these types of things. We, we, we decided just to kind of just go, no, we just, we just, this is all we're doing. So and that's, things have changed. Obviously, now other magazines sort of doing a similar sort of approach to, to sort of single subject content as well. I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, probably people are buying less magazines than they, than they did. And obviously, People can buy digital magazines now, which was something that you couldn't do 20 years ago. So, and we've seen a shift towards the the more the digital subscription for people as well, which is good and bad. It's a bit like streaming music, I suppose, in a way, in that you know we don't see as much out of the digital sales as we would out of the equivalent print sales um, because of the way Apple have set things up and various other things along the way so but i think you know probably a shrinking market as well you know we were all gentlemen of a certain age and i think that sums up our readership as well and we don't i think see as many youngsters coming into the hobby as any of us would like so it's a it's a a small small pool that's getting smaller gradually so there's so many ways for people to get that information fix as well as now you've got like a you know, social media with that constant update, daily, hourly almost update, whereas in the past you had to buy the magazines to find out what was coming, didn't you? What, what are the new releases yeah. and all the information was from there. Well, that's part of the reason we've, we've dropped our – we used to have a, a review section in the magazine and we stopped that, I think it was last year was it, or the year before, I can't remember now. We stopped doing that because I felt we weren't really, we weren't really able to keep up with the internet. You know, some new kit comes out, it's all over Facebook in 10 minutes and, you know, people are sharing pictures of all the sprues and everybody's making 
comparisons and drawing up diagrams of what's wrong with this, that, and the other, and red lines, red lines, and yeah, <laughs> you know, and and we and then we trundle along, you know, four weeks later with our little print review of if if we could get hold of a sample, you know, which was that oh, was the other thing, yeah, that whole thing of supporting the, you know, getting the coverage in the magazines was was starting to diminish as well to the point where you know we were. We felt we, it was an uphill struggle, so it just seemed meant to make sense to us to sort of stop it and use that space for something a bit more interesting. People can get all their review information online if, if that's what they want, you know. I don't think often we had anything revolutionary to add to the discussion except that we try and be very honest with what, what we said to the point where we had a couple of people stop sending us reviews because we didn't say something nice about them. <laughs> I certainly rolled a few turds in glitter in my time, <laughs> writing reviews. <laughs> you know, one, you know, I can think of one, one manufacturer who, who, who pulled the plug because I'd, I'd been critical of some Zimmerit that they'd done on a, on a kit, but it just didn't look like what it should. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? You either say this, it's a good attempt, but it doesn't look right, or you just pretend it does. And you lose credibility, don't you? Well, you do, and away. I think that's, that's the other thing. When we're talking to the to the serious end of the hobby, you know, I'm not talking to a bunch of idiots here. They're going to look at that and go, well, what's he, what are you talking about? That doesn't look like this pattern's over it at all. It's a nonsense. There are definitely reviews that I read that were critical that I appreciated yeah. getting that information. Yeah. You know? And I think, if anything, it, it increases your credibility as a serious modeler to put that honesty out there. Yeah, well that was my that was my that was really what what we wanted to do, you know, and that was the thing that was my concern when, you know, we formed the association with Meng as sponsors of the title that I didn't want to be in a position where we would just have to be saying wonderful things about Meng kits. That were really didn't sit with me at all and and we haven't done, I don't think. I think we've been we tried to apply the same realism to, you know, to their kits as we do to everybody else's. So this is a fault we pointed out and maybe we try and show how to fix it or i think at the serious end of the hobby modelers aren't necessarily going to not buy the kit because it's got a flaw anyway what they want to know is if they do buy it what are they taking on yeah and they can make that judgment for themselves this yeah. idea that a, a less than glowing review is going to stop sales is is a bit uh, unrealistic i think, I, think I, I, are... I agree with you you know and i uh, if part of me you know getting back to the zimmerit again i'm probably the people who are attracted to the kit with the zimmerit really molded on are probably not our target market anyway because most of them will want to be they want to do their own zimmerit because uh, it feels like cheating to use a molded on one they're probably going to do a specific vehicle or something anyway and, and yeah. copy that exact pattern so yeah exactly so that's where magazines have been. Here's the uh, the classic media show question. Where do you think magazines are going in the next 20 years? On the, on the shelf next to the lavatory. That's where they usually go, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we should all just about still be alive. So, uh... Yeah, that's a scary thought, isn't it? 20 years. Well, that would have been a scary thought 20 years ago to think we'd be sitting here today doing this. So. I don't know. I have a feeling they're going to come to a point where they're not going to stack up anymore. That's what I think. I hate to say it, but I do think that there's going to come a point where certainly the economics of sending a magazine to be printed are not going to be commensurate with the financial return of doing that, i.e. you're not going to be able to sell enough copies to cover the, the cost of printing. It just gets harder and harder, isn't it? There's so many things which just come in 
kick all the time, isn't it? It's just like, you know, it's well, Chris knows himself as well. It's things like the postage, you know, you're talking about paperweights, you know, the, a gram the wrong way and you enter the next post bracket and so many things behind the scenes that just make, make it harder and harder, don't they? Just today, our printers put us on notice that they're going to have to put their prices up. You know, and can't blame them because we know ourselves how things have been affected since Brexit and, and the other various things that are going on. You know, it's and and not in a good way. You know, it's all it's all negative. But well, the printing business itself has really suffered over the last, certainly during the pandemic as well. Yeah, obviously having all the sh- all the news outlets shut for half of the year. <laughs> And all the magazines that rely on the newsstand sales as well. They do, yeah. Um, and that's a whole different story in itself. But, yeah, no, that, that obviously was, was fairly catastrophic. You know, we've seen a couple of titles, or one title at least, disappear since since then. And I'm not surprised, you know, because it, it's a fairly marginal operation at the best of times. You know, fingers crossed we, we, can, we can keep it going. But I, I see a lot of people going, oh, I don't buy magazines anymore because blah, blah, blah. It's all on the internet and things. And I think, well, you know, I, I get that because I, I look a lot, you know, there is a lot of stuff on there. But I think you you might want to just be careful what you wish for because once they're all gone, yeah. they're all gone, you know. And when, you, when you've got an interest, whether it's mountain bikes or horses or cars or whatever, who doesn't like just to have a... Th- periodical to sort of leaf through and well i think your magazines offer something that you can't get on the internet but rather than me tell you what it is what do you think uh, the magazines <laughs> offer that people can't just get from looking at facebook or modeling groups or what have you do you not think it, it, it kind of cuts out all the chaff doesn't it and you you know this is like almost a compilation of things that hopefully you, you do want to read about rather than having to graze everything and it's like almost like this compilation. It's tactile. You can actually sit. You can hold it. Take it in the garden. Or, I don't know. That's that's what I like with with a magazine. It's it's a tact. It's a bit like going back to vinyl albums. You know, my son's like really into these vinyl, and because it's tactile, you know, the the sleeves, it's the whole touchy feely thing, and you don't get that with digital, do you? And you don't, you know, it, it, it's like an ownership thing almost. It's it's that's yours, you know. I've purchased this. It's mine. It goes on the bookcase. I think the other thing is that maybe I use that uh, our, our new issue 120 with my Panzer One on the front cover. I tried to put a sort of extended sort of look at how that was, how that went together, and the, the stages of it. And I put a couple of pictures up of it yesterday on Facebook, and they were, you know, it generated a few questions from people. But by the very nature of it, I'm restricted to sort of answering them with it, you know, in a few words about how I've done something or what what this is or what what that is. Whereas the magazine brings all that together, so it's all there as a big as a story almost of you know this is how this is done. Here's the bit I messed up, and you know, whereas you can't do that so easily on you know on social media. You may find the finished pictures or something, but then if you want to see how the guys got there then you know you have to do a bit of trawling around to find the rest of it um, so i think that there's that kind of grouping of everything into it and then being able to present it in a way that complements it and highlights certain aspects brings out the details in certain bits in a way that just slapping a picture on a screen maybe doesn't in the same way it's curated concentrated content really yeah because yeah. i mean on the internet as well you might not see all those models so you're bringing us models we might have missed that we really should yeah. looking at 
Hopefully, at the same yeah. time, let's face it, the image quality is going to be better than most people's screens as well. Well, yeah. hopefully. I mean, you can't, you know, obviously you can zoom in on screens in a way that, you know, I mean, we've all done that, sat with a magazine and tried to pinch the picture wider. And <laughs> <then> realize... <laughs> but, but your specialist Japanese publications that. there, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dirty boy on your bed. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that I was going to come back to that, circle back to that. It's it's interesting that you've made a magazine that is. It seems to be all the things you loved about those magazines, where the image is primary, the text is secondary. Then, because you couldn't read it, but now because you want it to be about the visual aspect of the hobby, and it's interesting in a way that you've kind of made those magazines. And I've seen those magazines evolve as well over the last 20 years from a very dry Japanese style, a different kind of style as well. And it's it's interesting how there's almost a dialogue between the, the best of the Western magazines and the Japanese magazines. Yeah, Is maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you've got a point there, yeah. I wish they'd get those ridiculous girls out of their magazine, though. That's the only... <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the magazines, uh, in addition to having sort of the tactile quality and the curated presentation, they don't feel as disposable as digital content. Yeah. Like it's something that you choose to pay money for. It's an you, ownership, isn't it? Yeah. You, it's, it's, it's yours. It's, yeah. It goes on the bookshelf with everything else. And I find that you return to it more often. I, I return more often to a modeling magazine than I do trying to find a certain picture on mm. Facebook or yeah, yeah. It's and it's also easier yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, as long as you can remember where you put the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those shelves. He knows where he puts his magazines. <laughs> I do. Yeah. 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 I've got them. Yeah. And then I put a post-it note for uh, the articles that I like, uh, and I write what the article is and who who did it, and that way I don't even have to really pull out the magazines until I find the right one. Wow, you've got that's, a spreadsheet. That's you? organization for you. No, I do not have a spreadsheet. <laughs> Actually, that that reminds me. A, a lot of people used to subscribe to the digital magazine when military modelling was still going. That they had a digital version that was through one of those magazine apps. And when the magazine disappeared, or when they ended their subscription, they lost their magazines. And yeah. that's something you don't lose with paper. <laughs> Once you've bought it, you've bought it. No, that's true. It's there for it's there for good. Yeah, until the dog eats yeah. it, and then uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, sometimes as well, I'll I'll not be interested in a subject when the magazine comes out, but then a year later, oh, absolutely changed, and I'll think, oh, there was an article there. I'll go back and we've all done yeah, that, haven't we? Dug out some old some article because suddenly we hmm. the most important thing is in the world is to build that because like tanks <laughs> that you would no interest in six months ago. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you just yeah, you stumbled across that photo that it has, it has to, be, to built. be. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It's. It's I get triggered by a photo, and that's what I need to build immediately. Yeah, definitely. And then that's I'll go back and shopping as well. <laughs> when you go online, <laughs> must buy that kit. <laughs> yes. But it's nice to go back and, and look at somebody else's build of the kit before you start it, and think, okay, well, I know what I'm getting myself into. I know where the yeah. problems are. It's just it's all laid out there for you. Yeah. There's a value to to a magazine as a reference for that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's still a surprising amount of people who don't have internet access or choose not to have internet access. And, you know, they'll buy back issues. It, like, there was a guy the other week, David, wasn't there, who came on and he bought he bought every back issue of Air that we had because he just discovered it. And yeah. he said, you know, I don't do the digital thing. I'm of an age. And, you know, I, I just like it. I like the tactile 
you know, it, it's it's mine. It's my magazine. I have them all on the shelf, and yeah, he bought the he bought mm. everything he could get his hands on, which was great. I mean, yeah. pity we couldn't do that every week. And uh, but uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> once in a once in a blue moon. But uh, but yeah, there is, and, and I know Keith says that from a business point of view, the number of people who want to just pay by card or the phone, or you know, can I send a check or you know, there is a there is still a pool of people who. Who are uh, analog? I suppose he would. He would say, "Yeah, yeah." They won't be listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say what you want about it. Yeah, it's all right. We get this transcribed, then we put it up, and then we nail it to the church door. Like Luther. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, it, I've been talking a lot lately with other. Uh, people in the business about doing shows how do you find doing shows as a magazine is that something that that you still find of value or is it something that's dying off a bit oh it's a uh, yeah now, obviously we we would do we we when we started we did a lot of a lot of shows and some of those shows have now gone by the way themselves but more recently we sort of whittled it down to sort of just doing scale model challenge obviously um, because it's the because show. we wanted to go there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we wanted it to go there, the yeah. cost, right? But no, but sometimes we would we we wouldn't have a stand there, would we? We, we True, would yeah, just yeah. go. We would just pretend we were. It was important that we Keith went won't there. listen to this, will he? And, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we would do the IPMS Nationals in Telford every year, which was costs an absolute fortune um, to be at in terms of table space, really expensive and just is an, best described as a bit of an ordeal for us. It takes... Uh, that's yeah. polite. <laughs> God, I was terrified what you were going to say there, to be honest, but never mind. Oh, just, well, yeah. It, so we, before the pandemic, well, I think we, I'd already made a decision that the last, when, when was the last year we went? 2019? Would that have been right? We'd actually decided Would have been. that was it. We weren't going to do it again. That was it. We weren't doing it anymore. That was the first day I hadn't been on, yeah. obviously, because of the. It'd just been another torrid weekend where we'd had um, we'd had arguments with other other traders who were trying to hang their banners over our stand. And they were, I was then quite surprised to find the organisers sort of on their side rather than ours initially. Which <laughs> mm. And it, it's just, um, yeah. In terms of actually making any money, I think everybody, you know, the the outsider would think, oh, you, you know, you've had a great weekend, you've made lots of money, you've sold lots of magazines and books and other bits and pieces. But even on a really good a good weekend, a show like that, you're if you're lucky, you'll break even. But I think that's probably doubtful. So it's more about just meeting and greeting, and you know, it's a bit of a flag waver, isn't it? A bit of a well, it is, but I just wonder whether you can't get the similar effect by walking around with a T-shirt on. <laughs> it, you know, people will recognise us and they'll come and talk to us and things. So do we need to be behind an expensive table all weekend? Probably not. So I don't know. I, I can't see that it really is a critical thing that we need to do. And unless there's some big inducement, I'm not really inclined to, to do it again. We're not really for the... The, the bargain hunters either it's kind of the like you said the end of the market we aim for it's it, yeah, it, end, it? Okay. these people yeah. will, will 
hunt these parts out and come to us direct. Uh, you know, it's it's yeah. you know you, you, it it, it become like Groundhog Day as well. Very it much, was, yeah. Um, because there's no daylight, so you don't know what you know. It's every weekend there is the same. It all looks the same. The people are all in the same place. You see the same people by the same models. Yeah, more spitfires, right? And it just, it just needs a bit of a shake up, I think. You know, and and, and the competition is just that's a whole other can of worms. I don't even really want to get into. Fed up. We're trying to. Uh, I know, Chris, you've tried to sort of. I've come to educate them. Accepted that it is what it is. Yeah. And if I want something better, I'll go to SMC. Exactly. I've, I've tried to make, I've tried that. I've tried to have discussions with them. I've tried to sort of, you know, I've explained to them about SMC and their fantastic angle poise lamps on the table. But that's not how we do it. Yeah. That's, really that's not the, how we yeah. do it. So, if it ain't broke. Exactly. And, <laughs> it is <yeah>. broke. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm done with it. You know, on you go, guys, you know, knock yourself out. But And, and the other thing is, that used to frustrate me it still does massively is the fact that you know you'd see there'd be three guys turn up with fantastically detailed superbly built scratch built bombers of some obscure aircraft i'd never seen before in my life but you could tell it was a fantastic kit and there'd be there'd be three of them on the table and one guy's going home with the gold and the other guy's going home with the silver and the, the other bloke's going home with the bronze when in fact they're all gold medals all day long, mm. all three of them. Yeah, yeah. But the guy who's come from Italy and he's going home with a bronze is really, really pissed yeah. off, you know. And I don't blame him because he made a, a you know, potential best of show model, but yeah. you can only have one. And win. I don't blame him. You know, he's got every right to feel pissed off. And is he coming back next year? No, probably not. If he is, he ain't going to go through all the trouble of bringing something like that. Over. No, no. Which must have been awful, you no. know, when they bring these massive. But instead of over. just going. These guys are all gold medal standard. We'll give them all a gold medal. It would just change the dynamic of the show, but it's just like banging your head off the wall with them. It's just never, you know. You know, and I and I speak as somebody who's won a gold medal there as well. So I'm not I'm not saying this out of sour grapes. You know, I've been lucky enough to be that guy who's walked away with the with the gold medal on the on the table. Lucky Archie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bribe the judges with an airfix yeah, kit. Free so, <laughs> subscription. Yeah. Okay, two airfix kits. Nineteen sixties airfix kits. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is, you know. And um, I know a lot of people love it and they have a great time. And I think I'm done. I think I'm over it. I've said this before. You know, we would rather travel to a European show than go to that one. One of the things that you've added to the magazine recently has been the uh, superb range of uh, 3D accessories and other stuff. You've obviously been doing things like this for a while. There were the figure maquettes you did a little while ago. Is this range something that's going to become a big part of AFE Modeler going forward? Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so, Chris, because, um, you know, it's something that started off as a bit of a sort of spin-off from my King Tiger project originally in that we started to sort of release bits of resin correction sets to, to fix some of the problems with the, that I'd found with the kit. And it's kind of, it's grown out of that really. And, and during lockdown, um, that side of the business was, did really, really well for us as well. So we felt it was something we should, we should look at developing. And I, um, I, I thought it was probably a good time to sort of get into 3d design. Um, so we took the plunge into that and, 
Um, I haven't really looked back. I'm thoroughly enjoying myself with it. And I think it, it, it's offering us a lot of opportunities to sort of um, diversify a little bit away from just purely print stuff as well, which is no bad thing, you know, given what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, the way the market is moving. So um, I think you can't be a one-trick pony anymore, can you? You can't just do the, no, I and think, survive yeah. as a, a small business. You've got to diversify. And... Yeah. No, well, I'm sure you, you know the phrase from uh, marketing, specialization is yeah. death, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, that is true. And we, so I, I think this this gives us this opens up things for us. Um, it's been a learning curve for us, obviously, because we knew nothing about three D print up until about six months ago, and now these things are running sort of night and day. You know, churning bits out, and nobody more surprised than me than what we're managing to achieve with it as well. You know, uh, producing a full set of radio sets for a, for a tank. You know, and all the framework and all the plugs and Three different versions, right, for um, different house phones? Yeah, so that because I've been doing Panzer IV recently, so I've got built up quite a lot of knowledge there about the different versions. So I've tried to produce the different radio setups for the, the G to the J. And, it, you know, interestingly, all these 35th scale kits have just come out. None of them got it right. Um, mainly because they copied mine, and but without the understanding of what I was doing, so they've put an H, an H interior into a J and uh, various other things that are wrong. So, but it's great for us because we can come along and for people who are interested and they they want that kind of detail. Well, here's a little radio set that will fix that problem for you. you know, and uh, um, I'm just trying to do some diagrams at the moment about how to wire these things up for people who are that bothered about it. So. If you're not, well, that's fine. You just want to stick a radio in there and, it, you know, that's fine. But I've designed them with all the connectors and all the plugs and all the sockets that usually left off all the, every commercial radio <laughs> set in a, in yeah. a kit. It's got no connectors on it, which is insane. So I've, I've been able to put all those on, which I think gives them a little bit of an advantage as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. If you're going to bother to do something, do it fully. Oh well, yeah, yeah. That's that's my ethos. But as you, you might have noticed, <laughs> uh, I was agonising this morning about. I was putting a little casting number on a tow hook that sits underneath the rear mud flap on the Panzer IV, and I, I realised what I thought was a, a number eight was in fact a letter B on this little casting number. So I had to shave one off and, and replace it. <laughs> Good. That's how it's done. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you caught that mistake, somebody else would too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, at least that's that's letter, the way the you? brain works. Yeah. Anyway. I think you'll find that eight was a yeah. B. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate of Tunbridge Wells. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think this is going to. We're going to try to draw this to a conclusion. Um, as much as we would love to sit here and talk all day, it's been incredibly interesting and absolutely entertaining. But as we wrap things up, uh, just uh, want to turn the things over to you and, and see if you have any final thoughts. <laughs> well, I, I think I probably should thank everybody who's um, supported our endeavors, who's read our magazine, who's contributed to it, who's badgered me about things, who's emailed me about things, who's complained about the spelling in the magazine, who's Truly not. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Guilty as yeah. charged. Yes. Um, <laughs> we spelling is not no, our strong not point. At all. But... <laughs> yeah. Honestly, in a modelling magazine, it's overrated. Yeah. Well, I think so. But there we are. Just look at the pictures. I always say. But it's been fantastic. I have to say, if you told me when I was. Growing up, that I'd be running my own modelling magazine and making models for a living. Uh, certainly, know, it certainly beats be. a grown-up job, doesn't it? It yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. No, we and we, you know, I'm lucky to to work with two other guys, and we we have an absolute blast with with what we're doing. You know, it's an absolute pleasure. It's not really like a it's job. It's serious, most but the time it's not taken seriously, is it? Yeah. No, we 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 really enjoy ourselves. I hope that comes through. It's reflected, you know, in what what we do and what we post sometimes and. And even in the content of the magazine, you know, we try not to be too up ourselves about it all and, you know, not to take it too seriously, but also to be serious about it, you know, and to be fanatical. I hope everybody sees that, you know, but no, huge thank you to everybody who's got us through 20 Absolutely. years because, yeah. you know, if it was just me and Mark trying to write articles, we, <laughs> we wouldn't get very far. Be a lot of 160th. Multi-part time. Would be, be a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Not that there isn't already, but <laughs> so thank you both, and Keith and Don, for twenty years of AFE Modeler and uh, more recently Air Modeler. Uh, we look forward to the next issue. Great, thank, thank you. you very much. Tetra Model Works are a leading producer of premium photo etch sets for all kinds of modeling genres. From armour to ships to aircraft and more, they make some of the best PE you can buy. And I know, because I use it myself. I love it so much, I even sell it in my own store. The design is outstanding. Sharp and clean detail, well-designed folds and easily constructed assemblies. Easy to use, their high-quality brass is just the right thickness and strong so it won't break on you. Their sets provide the maximum of detail, but never with parts you don't need or can't use. Instructions are clear and very easy to follow. Sold in hobby stores around the world, just look for Tetra Model for the very best in photo etch and accessories. You can find a full list of their distributors at tetramodel.com. That's tetra, T-E-T-R-A, model.com. <laughs>